2: Hello, thanks for listening. Welcome along. It's this week's Writer's Routine, uh, where we're chatting to the author, the prolific author, Sheila O'Flanagan. Her stories are always about putting women in really tough situations and asking them to dig down deep inside themselves to sort it out. Uh, Her new novel is Her Husband's Mistake. We talk all about the genesis and the original ideas for that. Uh, She also won the Irish Independent Popular Fiction Book of the Year, snappy prize. Uh, we learn about how that's affected the way that she's written ever since. Also, uh, we, we talk a lot about the first line too, uh, how she took time to make sure that it would be perfect. And we find out how she manages to keep a reader guessing the whole time.
0: It's trying to, you know, not throw it all out on page one and hold certain bits back and, and you know, keep a dilemma there. You know, even if you've solved one part of it, to keep another part that the reader needs to know about um, so to keep everything in the balance to a certain extent until the end. Um, and that's like, you know, every story that you tell, you're telling and telling and telling. And then finally you get to, a, to, de- to deliver the punchline or, or, you know, the outcome. Um, and so you have to do that in a story. I think there's no point in telling every single thing about the person on page one, you know, because why would they bother reading? <laughs> carrying on after that.
2: So that's all on the way stick around it's a good nattery one this week with Sheila O'Flanagan on writer's routine. Yes getting longer. Hello, my name's Dan. This is Writer's Routine, the show where we take a sneak peek inside the working day of some of the most successful authors around. We've got a wide range of writers on the show, by the way. Uh, I know that we've focused on crime fiction for a lot of the show, uh, which I'm really happy about because I think, you know, of all the genres to talk about, if you want to find out more about plotting and intricate planning... Uh, I think that crime writers often do it best. It's good to spread the net, though. And we've got rom-com writers on the way, science, non-fiction, award nominees that you can hear from in a few weeks. And also, uh, we've got a West End musical creator coming on to tell us how he wrote uh, uh, an award-winning West End musical. I can't wait for you to hear that chat. It's on the way in the next month. That's to take nothing away from this week's guest, the fantastic Sheila O'Flanagan is joining us on Writer's Routine uh, to take us through her working day. Her brand-new novel is Her Husband's Mistake. It's all about someone coming home and and catching her husband in bed with the next-door neighbour. And you find that out in the very first line. We talk more with Sheila about how she made that first line perfect, how long she worked on it, and also when she finally thought of it, how she knew she was onto a winner. We also chat about what the point of a Sheila O'Flanagan book is. Kind of, uh, you know, it's a big concept, that. It's quite a hard question to ask a writer. What's the point in your work? But I find it quite interesting to... It really gets to the nub of why uh, an author has spent so long working on their novel why have they done it what's the point I find that uncovers a lot of truth which we really enjoy hearing and you can find out how she's refined her process and her writing routine over 30 odd books or something ridiculous like that Uh, we'll also get a top writing tip from a dystopian fiction author that's on the way after we dive into it with this week's guest Sheila O'Flanagan and we start as always with what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write
0: well, the room that I write in is uh, used to be the garage in my house. And after I managed to sell a few books, I decided I would upgrade it from a garage with no heating to an actual room. So um, in front of me is my desk, which is a wooden desk. And on the wall, which is painted a kind of a sea green, which is a very restful, calming um, picture. I have uh, a photo of uh, a print of a Japanese woman reading a book. And it's very, it's very calming because sometimes when you're writing, you're not calm and you forget what you're trying to do. And every time I look up at this Japanese woman reading her book, I say, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give a book for somebody to read.
2: So you've got this, this Japanese lady, you've got calming walls around you. What else will I see? Bookshelves anywhere? Is there a window looking out? Yes.
0: Well, there are bookshelves. Yes. Um, But the bookshelves that are there are all reference books. Um, I don't have my... Very many of my own books in the space that I write in, um, and to my left um, is a full-length window overlooking my garden. the The garage um, obviously was originally just one story, but I made it two stories, so I write on the first floor of it, and so I'm overlooking the garden, which is really nice. You sat down at a desk. Yes, the the wooden desk, and it's quite a big desk because I'm I'm a messy writer i sometimes i tidy up the desk and i take um i take a photograph of it and i post it on instagram or something people go oh my god yeah. oh my god you're so organized but actually i'm not at all uh,
2: i've learned through doing this show that a writer's desk is quite something it, it tells a lot about the way the writer is now you've published 30 books over 30 books now uh, is, is that right
0: about 25 or 30 yeah it could yeah. be including the children's books yeah. I, I did
2: the math earlier yeah it yeah. looks like 31 um,
0: I'd leave you because, because I, I I don't I stopped counting.
2: <laughs> well, your website's still counting, and it's about oh, thirty-one. So let, let me just uh, let me find out more about this desk, as I said. Mm-hmm. I've learned that it's it, it can be quite a thing for authors. How long have you had it for? Is it is it's a big sturdy, you know, oak frame?
0: It totally is actually. It is. It's an office desk. I bought it in an office equipment place rather than a writing place. And I I actually saw a beautiful desk, which was you know copper coloured and really nice, but it was too small and I need to be able to push all the paper around and have reference books on my desk and have the laptop on my desk and other bits and pieces and room for the post-it notes. So this is a big huge office desk, probably the kind of a desk a CEO would have, Do you know, it's a massive desk but it's great, it works for me.
2: Well, you just mentioned two things that I want to follow up on the laptop. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get requests from people who listen who want to get quite niche uh, mm-hmm. with, with the writing, so it Are you just writing on a laptop? Have you got a paper and pen that you're maybe doodling notes on? Are you just writing on Word? What's the deal, Sheila?
0: Uh, Well, I never use Word because I I hate Word. I've lost work on Word and I don't use Word. I have a Mac and uh, I have always used Mac. Um, I've used them since they first came out. And I actually use uh, an app called Scrivener which I think is just probably the best um, writing app around. And I would totally recommend it. So I use that because it means that you can um, divide your book into chapters and scenes and you can move things around. And there's little places that you can make notes and scribble. And so I find that's good for kind of keeping me on track. But in terms of scribbling notes, there on post-it notes or on the back of a piece of paper that might be on my desk. And then I move it and I can't find it. Um, so it's a, I'm, I'm a cross between being organised and being complete absolute basket case.
2: If I were to walk into your writing room mid-book, mm. mid you properly getting the story down, would I have any clue as to what you were writing? Are their ideas strewn across the walls? Uh, are their post-it notes with little you mentioned post-it notes, uh, are they keeping you going?
0: Yeah, I, I just usually use those to, to remind me to do something. So it will actually say something like, Roxy shopping, um, which means quite a lot to me but probably wouldn't mean <laughs> anything to you. Or you know, I'll have things like hits him, <laughs> you know. Um, so you you might actually think I'm, I'm either doing a workout or I'm, you know, it, it bears no relation to an actual plot for a book, that's for sure. When I wake up, actually I just wake up in the normal way that I've always woken up, gone, oh my God, is it time to get up already? <laughs> um, and usually... I used to work in finance and and I used to to be in the office at 7 a.m. and ready to go at 7 a.m. So I I actually feel quite decadent now that I don't get up till about eight and that I have time for breakfast. So I do those things. I get up and I, I have my breakfast and then I get dressed because I can't. You know, the way you hear about authors that that work in their PJs and things. I can't. I have to be ready. You know, I have to kind of make myself ready. So I'm usually in my, my garage office writing room at about nine o'clock or nine thirty. And I generally start off by just checking the admin things, you know, in case there are emails and stuff like that, because writers are really good at finding other things to do. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't done those first... I, you know, I'd be writing and then I'm thinking, oh, I should really check this. I should really do that. So I try and get that out of the way and and I allow half an hour for that. And then while I'm but while I'm doing that, I'm usually thinking about the book anyway. You know, so it's kind of, you know, multitasking thing. And then basically I I kind of skim through the last couple of paragraphs that I've done the day before just to to be sure where I am in, in the plot. And I think about the scene that I'm going to write and then I just start writing it. And I tend to write in scenes. I mean, this is one of the things that, you know, I talk about when people ask about writing. I I write in scenes rather than saying a word count or something like that, because I think word counts are very arbitrary. You can write a thousand absolutely awful words and you think, well, I've achieved something. But, you know, to me, getting a particular scene down, whether it's 200 words or 2000 words is, is the important thing.
2: Let me quickly cut in there just mm. for two points that I'm interested in. Uh, a lot of people on this show uh, have, authors uh, have said, just get any words down. Mm. You get your dirty draft, get your vomit draft down. It doesn't matter, you can always clear up later. From what you just said, it sounds like perhaps you're trying to get down the right words.
0: No, no, it's not that at all. I mean, sometimes I write a scene and, and you know, I'll change every single word of it. So it's not that. But I just kind of find if I, if I say to myself, I want to write a thousand words then the number of words becomes the object, not the actual story I'm trying to tell. So for me, it's write the scene in the cafe or write the scene where, you know, they're walking down the street or write the scene where they're doing that. That could be any number of words and they could be terrible words and sometimes they are terrible words and I will rewrite the scene. But for me, each each scene is a building block rather than the number of words.
2: Also, you mentioned scenes. Mm-hmm. What I have noticed is some authors... Will very defiantly call them scenes. Others will call them chapters. It it may be a very very unimportant thing to to focus on, but I'm just curious about that. What what what? Why in your mind are they scenes rather than more traditional chapters?
0: Because um, a chapter can have ten scenes. I don't look at it like that. And maybe that's partly why i like the scrivener app because you can do, open a folder and call it chapter two and then drill down that and have Scene one scene two scene three within that as separate documents and that's the way i used to write in word and that's it it, it actually failed miserably because <laughs> i could never link them up properly um so in in one chapter it's not just one scene there can be a number of different scenes within the chapter so so i don't say a chapter a day i mean my books are are in and around between thirty and thirty five chapters. So if I did a chapter a day I'd be finished in a month and that would be super I would be, I, you would be talking to me from my from my hideout in the Bahamas if I could do if I could do that. So each each chapter has a number of scenes and I build my way through those and, and that's how I look at it.
2: I think we'll come back to that in a sec, but I'm, I'm yeah, I've cut over the most important part of the show which yeah. is the writing routine. So uh, oh, yeah. so you get that, you you've done your half an hour of admin, you've started writing mm-hmm. your scenes, talk me through the rest of the day.
0: Um, I will generally do that up to around 12.30 and that's all new material and fresh material and so by that time, um, mentally I'm a bit tired, you know, and I'll go and maybe have some lunch or or do the thing, go for a walk around the, the block or I, I live near, near the sea, so I might go to for a walk around, around the coast and I'll think about what I've written and I'll think about the scenes for the afternoon and you know, um, maybe I'll finish up about 12.30 and I'll come back to it at around two o'clock.
2: I know you don't focus on word count, but if you were to put a number, how much do you reckon you'd probably get done on an average day?
0: Somewhere between one and 3,000, I would say.
2: That's quite a scope.
0: Yeah, I mean, some days it's not so much, but I I, I do feel that when I'm... man, Maybe this is why the scene thing works for me, because I can do one scene and you get a sense of achievement. And so you think, OK, now I'll move on to the next one. So one one scene might be 500 words and then you do the next one. That's maybe another 500. And then suddenly you're you're building your way th- through the book.
2: You've had your break in the middle of the day where you have taken mm. a little rest from the story. You've let mm. things tick over in your mind. When you finally finish, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, is that it? Are you are you done writing for the day? Or do you find yourself constantly jotting down little ideas?
0: Once you've started a book, you you never stopped writing it uh, um, you know I mean an awful lot of the work goes on in your head rather than you know, for me I try to be ready to write when I'm at the computer I've, I've already thought about the things in my head so when I come back in the afternoon um, I will write on for another couple of hours and then often and this is a, a more recent kind of thing for me um, I will read it again later on my iPad because when you look at things in two different formats it it reads differently <laughs> It, for me, it does anyway. And um, the iPad is a bit more like a book. You okay. You I mean? look at it because the size, the shape, of the page is like a book. And so I read it again, and I see things where the flow isn't exactly right, and I'll I'll mess around with that. And then uh, and then you know when I'm finished, and so I might do that late in the evening. It depends on on the day. Um, but usually when I go to bed, then I'm I'm thinking about tomorrow's scenes. So there's there's at least a half an hour, if not more, lying there thinking about the scenes for the next day.
2: If you know what's happening in tomorrow's scenes brings to mind the idea that perhaps you know what's going on in every single day's scenes. Mm-hmm. How much do you know about your story before you sit down to write that very first sentence?
0: Not an awful lot, to be honest. I know what the, I know what the overall theme is going to be. You know, I, I have an idea of, of what the, the situation is and, and, and what I want to develop out of the story. But how I get from A to B, I, I really don't know until I start writing. So I, somebody said that writing a novel is a bit like driving a car in the fog with the headlights on. This is a
2: metaphor we've used yeah. all the time. Please take me through. Yeah. How much do you know about your road trip then?
0: Well, I know as far as the next tree, basically. <laughs> and and I'm I'm just... But I also know that somewhere about five or ten miles down the road, there's a signpost. You know, in my head, I know that there's something else that I'm going to come to. But when I'm writing it, I only can see literally as far as those headlights are showing me.
2: Well, to expand on this, what happens if you find yourself on a magical mystery tour and you you're going around in circles, you keep circling the block. What do you do then as a writer to try and work through the fog?
0: I try and make sure that I don't do that to start, to start off with but I uh, I think you know, when you read back on what you've written, if you see that you're kind of repeating yourself or you're there is a, there's a bit that I that I always get to in in a book which is around the 30 to forty thousand words in when i think oh god all my characters are in a room and they're talking and i can't get them out and i don't know how to and i've lost the key and i i just kind of try and think of what would make one of these people at least do something to to break the stalemate and eventually something does come to him whether it's watching the news or or you know just reading reading something else or i, I play babington as a You know, that's my sport. And I do that. And I often find that after I've done that, because you've been running around and jumping around and you can't have anything else in your head. Things do come to you. Uh, Overthinking is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do in writing.
2: Now, you've said that you don't set yourself a word count. You don't set yourself a necessary scene quota a day as well. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you're on a roll, you will carry on. How do you know when it is time to stop every day?
0: I actually get physically tired because I I think it's one of the things that people don't actually talk about an awful lot. But sitting at a desk and and typing is physically hard work as well. You know, you do get tired. You get a pain in your shoulder. You get a pain in your wrist. And I just get to the point where my fingers will just say they've they've had enough. And I kind of go, yeah, okay, I'll try and finish on. I usually try and finish on a sentence that has an impetus for the next day so that I I finished just before I want to finish so that I have something to look forward to the next day. Well, when I was writing my first books, I was working full time in an office at the same time. So I used to come home and write at night and now um, because I'm not working in an office, I feel obliged to write during <laughs> the day and. Um, so that has changed my time and and i kind of consciously made that decision to 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 change and not be the sort of person that goes out all day and then then writes all night because it's it's not sustainable really um and so that i i guess what have i changed i'm on the one hand i'm more confident that i can get out of a bad situation you know this locked room scenario because i've done it like 25 times before or 30 times before um and so i'm more confident about about my own process and the way I'm working now. Um, when I started first, I, I, I also overwrote an awful lot. You know, I kept on and on and on at the same piece. And I realise now, you know, the reader's perfectly capable of understanding <laughs> what you're saying. You don't have to spell everything out. I think that's important actually in a novel to leave the reader with some work to do as well.
2: How much of that is through advice from editors and you working out by yourself and through by listening to your readers?
0: Um, I think it's it's a, a combination of all those things. I, I guess what happens is when you've got a good editor, and I have, I'm lucky, I do have a really good editor. Um, after two or three books, you realize that they're pointing the same things out to you, and you realize that actually they're right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to do this, or I should do something else, and so you 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 suddenly find yourself automatically doing it, um, and and that's all. It makes me laugh when I realize myself. I've said realize a bit about a thousand times. Um, but when I when I see it myself, when I, I suddenly say to myself, oh, my God, I don't need to write that. That's that's there already. But I know I would have written it like 10 years ago or something.
2: I've come to realise through doing this show that as well as the writing routine of a day, what is also very important is the writing routine of a year. Mm-hmm. How frequently do you publish?
0: More or less a book a year. So More or less.
2: let, let me, so talk me through January through January then. Um, I'll
0: tell you what we'll do I'll talk you through September to September because that is actually my writing time by all means yeah because um, September is is when I'm getting myself ready to to write a new book and I'm playing around with the thoughts of it and the characters that are going to be in the in the new novel and I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the challenge that I'm going to set them and I'm thinking of what they they're like as people and I'm I'm probably in my head. I'm looking at the first three chapters and and working my way, not writing them, but but just seeing how they might evolve. So so that's kind of September, and then and I allow myself all of September, maybe a bit of October. Uh, at that, then I start to write. And
2: what are you doing in in, in that time then? So so when the, well, these characters are percolating, what's happening in September and October?
0: Well, usually, <coughs> um, I'm that's the time when I I, I tend to do uh, outside things b- book related outside things so I might do some library talks and I might be doing that kind of stuff and um, so so I'm out talking about a book that I have written and but my head is actually thinking about a book I'm going to write which can be a bit confusing sometimes mm-hmm. but but that's what I that's what I'd be doing then. And then, you know, October, October, the evenings are drawing in as well. And I, I'm, I'm kind of quite happy to say I'm locking myself away now and this is my writing time. So October, November, December and January, it's, it's full steam ahead on writing. And then I I kind of get into the by January. I'm in, in like about a third or maybe it's a little bit more of that of the way through. And I'm, I'm having a clearer vision. Of, of where the book is going.
2: Well, when do you hope to get your first draft done?
0: Well, it's, I, I, I work in a slightly different way in that I, I work in approximate thirds. So I, my first draft is my first third. And when I've got that done, I tend to come back and, and look at it a few times and, and, and turn it into maybe the third draft of the first third.
2: Okay, I'm doing a lot of maths in my I head. I know, I'm
0: sorry, this is, a, this is a, you know, honestly, this sounds so ridiculous. But I like to kind of feel that I've done extra work on the first bit so that I can move on. Um, my first completed draft is probably done in about May.
2: This breaking the story up into thirds thing that you've got going ish, on. Ish, yeah, Thirds-ish. Yeah. How did that develop? Why, why why, has this become the way that you write?
0: I think it developed because um, when I, when i First, got a you know professional editor that I was working with. Um, she said, "Well, I I never do a really good um, synopsis at the start. I, I you know I'm dreadful at that." So she said, "Well, when you've got a few chapters, send it to me." And so I I wrote maybe eight chapters and I sent it to her and she said, "This is great. This is this is this fantastic. This, this is fabulous." And I've got into the habit now of doing it like that and s- sending so many chapters. So in my head, I kind of think, oh, I like get eight, eight chapters done and, and, and send it to her, and then have a look at it and see see how, you know how happy I am. One size fits all
1: seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. We'll get back into it with Sheila in just a sec. Very quickly, uh, if if you are enjoying this week's episode, if you've already picked up some tips from Sheila that you think might just have a little effect on the way that you tell your stories. Why don't you say thanks for the show uh, over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash writers routine. It's the easiest way that you can give back and show your appreciation for the 70 odd episodes now, uh, all with a different sort of author telling us uh, the secrets uh, of their working day, giving us some tips and advice for how they tell their stories. If you do love what we do and you just want to give a little bit back, nothing too much, uh, I'm not asking the world, just a dollar or so a month. Uh, head over to Patreon. You can get yourself some merch while you're on there. Something simple uh, like a writer's routine badge, a bookmark. You can even there is even a way that you can ask uh, authors that we've got coming up some questions that you really want to hear from a writer and I'll make you specific episodes filled with those answers every few months or so Uh, the only way you can listen to those is by pledging to support the show over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine, it just helps us buy the the author that I'm chatting to a cup of coffee or or a pint It helps me get new tech so it's not slightly crackly sometimes. It helps me simply get to the place where I've got to do the interview. It just really helps to keep things ticking over. So if you can support the show, uh, it would mean so much to everything that we do here at Writer's Routine. It's so easy to do. Uh, It takes just a couple of seconds uh, for you to donate a dollar a month over at patreon.com forward
1: slash Writer's Routine. My name is Rob Hart. My book, The Warehouse, is out now. And my writing tip is that writing tips are terrible. Uh, I think that you need to to understand that just because someone is giving you a tip doesn't mean that tip is correct for you as a writer. Everyone's process is different. Everyone's process needs to sort of develop over time. The best example I can think of is the people who say that you need to write every day to be successful. You absolutely do not. I don't. I can't. I I have a four-year-old daughter. She won't let me. So I write when I can, and it's worked out pretty well the most important thing you can do is just get your work done and when someone is giving you a tip maybe part of that tip works for you maybe it gives you an idea for how to alter your writing process maybe you can glean something from it or maybe it's just nonsense and you have to ignore it so it's 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 great to listen for tips to kind of develop your own process but it's also okay to ignore them if you don't think they work for you
2: Right, let's get back into it with this week's guest, our prolific author, Sheila O'Flanagan on the show, talking about her brand new novel, Her Husband's Mistake. We'll learn loads more about the actual process of writing that book uh, in this half of the show. Uh, also, we talk about her Christmas book. I love a holiday themed novel I don't read enough of them really so we'll talk about why Sheila uh, has actually written a Christmas book in a little bit too we find out how her ideas keep turning over in her head how she puts her character in the places that she's also in so when she's doing things every day when she's going off to the shops maybe going to see family uh, she's kind of method acting also as her character to see what they would do in her situation. Uh, You can also find out if she really writes for commercial success at all and how that influences the way that she works. And we pick things up talking about ideas and what happens when new ones start to come to her.
0: Usually, actually, the idea for the next book comes about two thirds of the way or thereabouts um, or when I'm close to finishing the previous book, because always, always in a book, um, you get to a point where, where there's a number of options for the characters and you know that one option is not going to work for them but you think gosh you know this is an interesting situation I could put somebody else in and, and it percolates away at the back of your head and then maybe you say to yourself yeah do you know that will go for the next book And but what sort of character would have made this choice I mean the character I'm writing about now is making that choice but what sort of character would make this choice and so, so that's what happens.
2: We mentioned earlier the road map mm-hmm. you don't really know where you're going. Uh, and at what point in telling your stories are you starting to get a grip of how this is going to end?
0: About the chapter before the last. <laughs> honestly, honestly, maybe the last three chapters, the last three chapters. I, I, I always have an idea of where I want them to be, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where they're going to end up. But by the because at the last three chapters you're really coming to a conclusion and you have to have some some idea in the back of your head uh, I, I might still have one of two ideas um, but but obviously by the last chapter I've picked I've picked one uh,
2: and then wh- when you finally picked one how extensively do you have to rewrite to make sure that everything that you've written before makes sense
0: that's kind of where the doing it in thirds comes comes in handy because mm. I've gone back over the first bit and I've gone back over the second bit third and now I'm in the final third and because I've moved on you know say in the second third uh, things it will have affected the beginning and I might make those changes before I carry on you know it's kind of a one step forward two steps back and then suddenly becomes a two steps forward one step back thing. Aside from the
2: the three almost third things It, it, what have you learned along the way? What are tiny little things that really help you tell your story? What are little eccentricities in your day? I don't know, maybe it's you need a certain song in the background. You need a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock. What really helps you, Sheila?
0: Total silence. Total silence. It's interesting that you'd say a song or music or so, uh, anything like that. And I, I, I like music. I prefer music to songs. You know, I don't, I'm not so much on the singing because I listen to songs and I listen to the lyrics of songs, so that's totally distracting for me. But actually, for me, I need... A complete silence and um that i can't really work unless i have complete silence however i can work on a train or a or a plane or things like that you know with ambient noise going on people people i can tune them out but but music i can't and some people write with the tv on and i i can't do that but but yeah i need the silence people walking around don't bother me but but nothing that's meant to calm me <laughs> will, um
2: will work the new book, her husband, Mis- her husband's mistake. Yes. Talk to me about the very first moment that the idea for this story came into your head. What was the like the elevator pitch? How did it present itself to you?
0: Um well, it kind of presented itself to me in the first sentence that I wrote, which was the the morning oh, well, it's, it's told in the first person, which is another another thing that sometimes works in books but it was the morning after my father's funeral i came home and found my husband in bed with the next door neighbor Mm. so i was thinking about that i was thinking about two things you know you're in a very emotional situation to start off with and now you're in a completely different emotional situation and how are you going to deal with those things um and how do you deal with something that actually because roxy in the book has has always been very happily married to this guy and she, she's, she's called him her keeper, they've been mar- married since, you know, they were both quite young and it's how do you deal with something when everything that you believed about your life has crumbled you know, because she this he's not a serial philanderer, he's not that kind of guy, he's a nice guy, he's a decent guy and he's made this mistake um, but it, you know the question is can you get over mistakes or can you not and should you or should you not and so that was the the question I wanted to pose to Roxy, my main character, and and you know what was to me as I was as I was writing the book.
2: How did you go about answering it then? What, what was the very next thing you did? You've got this central question because it's what you do with your novels. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a question. You're you're chucking your women straight into it usually. Mm-hmm. How do you help them figure out what the answer is before you've even started writing?
0: Well, I I, I kind of don't. They figure it out themselves, which is the great. Element of it from my point of view, because the characters themselves and the sort of people they are begin to answer that that story or that question for me. And um, one of the reasons that I started writing in the first place was that I always felt that in the books that I was reading when I was much younger, women were 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 they weren't telling their own stories. They were, they were, you know, not accessories is not the right word, but they were a side issue. They were always somebody's wife or somebody's mother or somebody's daughter and they weren't the person telling their story. And I wanted to tell their stories and it, Roxy is very much the sort of woman that I had in mind, which is, you know, you think, oh, she's a housewife and she's a mom and she does all these things, but she's a person and she has a life and she has dreams and ambitions and all those things of her own. And I wanted her to suddenly look at herself and say the things that i put on hold for my family and for my husband are they important to me still when i'm going around doing doing whatever i'm doing when i'm writing or or, sorry when i'm driving or when i'm going to the shops or when i'm doing all those things i'm thinking of my character and how she's doing those things and how she would react to things that are happening around me it's a little bit like acting but not being on the stage you know and um so so by the time i start i do have a I have a much better idea about the character than I have about the plot. Put it that way.
2: When did the name Roxy make itself clear to you?
0: She just—it just did. I don't know. Um, you know, she—she, uh, she, this character just seemed like a Roxy to me, and, <laughs> and she was. And it's interesting because different names do kind of conjure up different characters in your head.
2: Talk to me about the writing of it then, uh, as in the physical words on the page. Uh, how? How? Um I think
0: it's about one hundred twenty thousand for the whole book.
2: One hundred twenty thousand for the whole—that's—it's yeah. that's a lot of words. How how much are you thinking about each individual word? The word that's coming after the next one.
0: Well, that's interesting because in the first draft, and we've established that my first draft is a kind of a fluid thing. Yeah. But in the putting down the words initially, I'm I'm doing exactly what you were talking about earlier, and I'm just trying really trying to get the dirty words down. I'm trying to just get the, to tell this story um but then when i'm reading back it's it's really important to me and the flow of the words are important to me and the rhythm of of the words the rhythm of the narrative and the rhythm of the speech both of those things are really important
2: what is a a good rhythm of storytelling for you
0: i think it's it's that you know with everything in, in everything we do and in everything that you write there's there's a kind of highs and lows and there's light and shade and you want to bring both of those things into into the writing and you you want it... It's very hard to say how you make something flow, but you want people not to be thinking about the next word that you're writing, but just to be carried along and realise that they've read three pages without without noticing that they've read three pages, but also realising that, that they are emotionally involved. And I think a rhythm m- means that you are emotionally involved. If you get a good rhythm going, then you will keep somebody emotionally involved.
2: What you just said there about... A, a reader not noticing that there are three more pages down the line mm. makes me wonder about the objective of of, of of a story. You know, some authors write for one purpose, others write for another. Why do you think you write? What do you want a reader? Why do you want a reader to to pick up a Sheila O'Flanagan book?
0: I think there's two things. I think there's there's writing as an art form, and I think all literary fiction tries to fall into that that mould. Um, where every word uh, is meant to be in itself uh, mm. uh, some kind of achievement. And there's writing to tell a story. And I write to tell a story. And I write to have the reader involved in the story. So it's writing as entertainment. and You want people to be entertained. You want them to be involved. You want them to care about the, the characters. And um, the rhythm that I write in and the, the, the way that I write, you know, with dialogue and with the descriptions that I use... are 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 there to tell a story and it's like i guess if you if you sit down with a a friend and you're you're telling a story to a friend you want them to empathize with you you want them to understand what you're trying to tell and that's what i'm doing it's like a conversation with a friend it's like you know we're talking about this girl roxy and we're talking about her life and as you're reading it you're going oh my god no you know it's as you would when if we were two two mates talking about somebody else's disaster of a life
2: well more with that then when I'm chatting to my mate I know exactly yeah. what they need to hear yes. I know exactly how to to keep th- to make them laugh mm. to make them gasp to, to keep them listening to my story th- through the books that you uh, have published what tricks and tips have you learned about the way to tell your story to your readers
0: I suppose I, I- you know, I, I don't think about that when I'm writing to be perfectly honest. I just think about telling the story. But I suppose it's, it's it's trying to, you know, not throw it all out on page one, and hold certain bits back, and and, you know, keep a dilemma there. You know, even if you've solved one part of it, to keep another part that the reader needs to know about. Um. So to keep everything in the balance to a certain extent until the end. Um. And that's like you know every story that you tell. You're telling and telling and telling and then finally you get to a, to, de, to deliver the punchline or, or you know, the outcome. Um, and so you have to do that in a story. I think there's no point in telling every single thing about the person on page one, you know, because why would they bother <laughs> carrying on after that? I,
2: I, I'd like to ask you about um, the, All For You, your story, oh, yeah. uh, which won the Irish independent popular fiction book yeah. of the year. Which, although congratulations, it's an awfully wordy prize to have won.
0: <laughs> I know, and it's quite a it was quite a big glass um, thing that I got with all that written on Oh, I don't feel yeah, I not yeah. <laughs> sorry
2: for you for the size of your trophies. <laughs> um, how much did uh, having that accolade? How much did that change the way that you have written books since? Not mm. a single bit.
0: Really? Not a single bit. No. Uh, I mean, it's really nice um, to to win an award, but. So to me, the award is for the characters in the book. It's, it's for the book. It's not for me. Do you know? Uh, I know that's ridiculous. I've written the book, so mm-hmm. it is for me, but it doesn't change. It didn't change the way I thought about writing or it doesn't change the way I I would I would sit down and write a book and it wouldn't make me any more confident about the next book that I'm going to write or anything like that. You know, it, it's it's lovely and it's actually a really good thing to as, as a book stop on my on my desk <laughs> it holds all my reference books really nicely in place. But, you know, telling each story is the most important thing for me.
2: How would you feel to put you in a situation where you are allowed to be a writer every day? You don't have to have a regular day job. The money's been taken care of, but not many people are reading what you're writing. Mm. So you've not got the success in numbers that you have had. Would you change the way that you wrote at all then? If you if if you are perhaps trying to pull in more readers than you are now,
0: well, it's a bit like you know if a tree falls in the forest and nobody is listening doesn't make a noise. If you want to write just for yourself and and you don't care whether other people are reading it or not, then you can write whatever you like, however you like, and whenever you like. Um, I guess, I mean, and maybe it's a thing in, in in writers, because on the one hand, we're all very introverted. And then on the other hand, you want other people to mm. read your work, which is like, you know, putting yourself out there and quite scary. But at the same time, most of us do want people to read our work. So for me, I like knowing that I, I like that readers come to me and say, I read this book and I really related to that situation. And that helped me a lot. And, you know. And I do get quite a bit of that where people would say, oh, I was in a similar situation to this person or somebody I knew was. And, it, you know, I realised if she could do it, I could do it. I mean, I know that sounds just so, I don't know how it sounds, but it's really nice. It's really nice when people say your book helped me or I was in hospital and I read your book and it cheered me up no end. or Those kind of things, I think, are, to me, are great accolades.
2: I need to ask you about A Season to Remember.
0: A Season to remember oh yeah it's
2: this is the Christmas books the Christmas, the Christmas books. stories yes. yeah sorry <laughs> no 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 fine I mean there's been so many of them should know uh, uh,
0: no, <laughs> no, no that's sorry, fine sorry somebody had been talking to me about another book and I was thinking of entirely another author's book there <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> so the, this, that. is the, this is the Christmas, yes, stories. the Christmas stories yes I guess
2: I guess and this is not asked in an aggressively insulting way mm. at all I just can't formulate the question well enough why what why have you sat there and thought uh quite obviously quite forcefully i'm going to write some stories for a christmas audience
0: i didn't think that at all i actually um had an idea about setting stories in in a hotel because i like this kind of idea of individual stories but they're all set in one place and it's kind of like do you remember um oh i can't remember the guy's name now it was there and it's gone plaza suite do you, remember, did you ever see that as a as a, a movie and it's four people staying in the same the same room in a hotel and it's brilliant it's Jane Fonda and, and it's it's obviously quite an old an old <laughs> movie um Alan Alden people like that were in. but it was really clever as all they were all staying in the same suite and they all had different stories and that that kind of stuck with me and I liked the idea and I whenever I go into hotels I'm always madly curious to know about who are in the rooms around me and you know you see people and they're they're at dinner or something and you're just looking at them going they don't look a bit happy to be here why are they here so I that's what I wanted to write and um, I think I must have I I wrote the first story or the second story around Christmas time and so then I thought, well, OK, I've, I've written this one in the winter. They all have to be in the winter. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know, let's Christmas is such a great. I mean, for for a writer, Christmas, like it just has everything. It has so much emotion and so much you're supposed to be happy and so much things should be going great that it's 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 just an emotional boiling pot for for writers. So I thought, yeah, let's let's make them all Christmas. And, you know, it's everybody's supposed to be happy. And in this hotel, how many of them are actually going to be happy. They've all decamped to a hotel for Christmas instead of saying at home, which in itself is saying something because people feel that you should everybody should be at home and you know around the Christmas table. So so that's what that's that's how it developed. It wasn't I actually didn't didn't think at all about writing a Christmas book.
2: And that is it for this week's Writers' Routine with Sheila O'Flanagan. Thank you so much uh, to Sheila for taking the time out. She flew over from Ireland to do that. She was doing a few other things, but it was just nice uh, to kind of Get her in a room for an hour just to have a chat in front of a microphone about the way that she tells stories. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you want to say thanks, please do support us over at patreon.com forward slash routine. Also, if you can, leave a little review for us over on Apple Podcasts. Find Writers Routine on there uh, and write a few words. It really helps people who need tips from the authors on our show find the tips from the authors who are on our show. So if you can, do leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Now, next week... Something a little bit different and kind of political. We're chatting to the writer of a brand new non fiction book. It's Science. It's been nominated for an actual science award. I'll tell you more about that next week. It, it, it's all about air pollution and what happened when one day a journalist really started to investigate. Uh, the impact that us burning fuels every day is happening to the planet that's on the way next week on writer's routine i'll see you then thanks for listening bye